This is Iron Sports. We are so pleased to have back on the show the Senior Vice President of League Operations and Communications for the NBA, uh, Tim Frank. Tim, you've been there. I looked on your LinkedIn page. It's now been 21 years and 11 months, so you're one month away from your 22-year anniversary. Yeah, if you take it to the to the Rockets days, this will be my 30th season when we get going in October. So hard to believe, honestly. But I appreciate you guys having me today. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. And I, I saw you at the uh, draft, and I told you I was at 17 NBA playoff games. I was there in Miami, New York, Boston, Denver. You just have to be so excited about the playoffs and what everything was with the NBA. I mean, it was tremendous. Even even the series like that, the sweeps over the Lakers, every one of those games was great. At Golden State in with Steph Curry, just every night I'm watching the NBA for hours and hours and hours, and not just me, but everybody was. Yeah, it, the, the skill level Ira, is just just so good right now. I mean, it's it's um, we have so many good teams, and and I, I think that was one of the most fun parts of the season. You know, by every statistical measurement, we had pretty much the most competitive season in NBA history, and 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 I think that made it fun. I mean, like we got in, you know, we ended up with two playing teams in the conference finals, so a lot of unpredictability, as you know big a fan as you are that's not always been our strength and so we're um you know you know we're hoping to move in that direction a little bit more because i think it keeps the playoffs fun keeps the regular season fun and and it keeps everybody interested and for denver to win and it's a team that was built through the draft and acquiring a couple key free agents the coach had been there a while uh that was tremendous to have and certainly their style of play with a center that's passing and the excitement of that i mean a lot of people don't stay up late and watch denver play but then they say wow this denver team is good and this joker guy is excellent yeah i think that was one of the funniest parts of the playoffs is that is the, the people sort of becoming aware of, of Jokic, um even though he had already won two mvps like you said you know, the different time zone thing. And, um, and Denver just hasn't been a perennial winner in our league. And so because of that, I think they get a little ignored, but not anymore. I mean, they stepped up and, you know, Jamal Murray's a tremendous talent and uh, Bruce Brown was great for them. He'll be a big loss uh, now that he moved on to Indiana, but uh, and Mike Malone's and Michael Malone's just a terrific coach. I mean, he just is. And so, yeah, it was fun. I mean, like everything about this season, you know, from, from start to finish was, was a lot of a lot of sort of unpredictability and fun and and you know that's all you ever want when you enter a season. Well, you made the move with the play-in tournament, and a lot of people had questions about it. But the Heat would—I <laughs> was there at that game against Chicago, and they—they're down yep. five, and Kobe White misses a layup, and then suddenly the Heat. You know, I'm going to 17 different or 15 more games after that, flying to Denver everywhere, and they—they they lose that game. We're done here in Miami. So the play-in tournament really worked, and that one week just generates so much excitement. Yeah, it was funny. I was actually surprised when we first introduced it that so many people were, you know, not aboard. I mean, like, I thought, you know, I think the thing that got lost with a lot of people was what it would mean for the regular season. I, I think they saw it as a adding teams to the playoffs. But what it was was it created different tiers that you needed to reach. And so before you wanted to be the number one seed or maybe in the top four, but now you got to be in that top six because if you're not in the top six, you don't um, you don't uh, necessarily make the playoffs. You got to win the playing tournament, try to earn it. And so then, if you you want to be seven, so you can get that home game. And then if not, you want to be eight, so that you don't have to win twice. And so it, everything about it was just set up so so really uh, as well as it could be. And, and and you know, listen, I I thought it would be great. It's certainly exceeded even my high expectations for it. But 
but it's it's here to stay, and and I think it's it's one of those things everybody looks forward to now once we turn the calendar into April. And we talked last year about it. You just mentioned about competitive balance. And that's what, and as someone who like me, who goes to these cities and sees it, it's like, it's almost like if you visited every one of your 30 cities or 28 cities, because you have Brooklyn and New York and Los Angeles, Mm -hmm. if you visit them, Everyone, even the teams that are bad, are right, well, we got this great young player. We have this. Victor Romanov's going to San Antonio. That's going to be Orlando has Bonchero and other, other great young players. So it's like everybody, Houston, which was terrible, now has this great, you know, they're winning the summer league. They're playing great that way. All these things that are happening, I just think that's where, the, when you talk about competitive balance, everybody has, feels like they have a chance. It's not like in baseball or some other sports where these teams are just perennial losers and, they're, and they're, they don't have hope. Yeah, I mean, listen, as I said before, it hasn't always been our strength. I feel like we're turning that way, at least I hope so, that you know, you're going to see more and more unpredictability. Um, and we certainly had it this year. And, and you know, we'll see, as, as you said, teams that even weren't so good last year, like San Antonio and Houston, have made some significant changes to get better. Detroit has gotten better. Like, I, I think, it's, I think we're, we're really trending in the right way. And, it's, and you know, we've got a good – we just got the collective bargaining agreement done, so we got labor peace for the next seven years. So uh, it's great. I mean, it's uh, we're full full go, and you know, I'm excited to see what happens this year. Like seeing, you know, the Lakers made that run, and then I think they got better in the off season. You know, so I think I think there's some 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 teams that have, uh, are going to even be better this year and are going to make the the season even more fun. And I love Sacramento and I think they're just amazing. They're they're definitely going to be great. And I think that's the one thing I, I I hate watching when you listen to ESPN, they're like, Oh, it has to be New York. It has to be Boston. I mean, I guess 33 out of the first 60 titles were Boston and the Lakers winning. And they're like, Oh, the league can't be great without the Lakers, Boston, New York being good. Well, no, because if you have great teams and great players anywhere, the fans are going to find them and they're going to enjoy watching them. And I think that's what we saw this past year. Yeah, it's a relic of the past, right? Like, I mean, when you and I were growing up, Boston and Philadelphia and New York and the Lakers, those those were the games that were on national TV all the time, right? And it was hard to see those other teams. Now with the emergence of league pass over the last 20 years and, and you know, the, the increase in number of national television games uh, that are on, people can just root for whoever they want to root for. And, and I think it's just made it better. Like, I mean, let's be honest, like, Sacramento in the early 2000s, it took a long time for people to embrace that team as, as good as they were. But this year, Sacramento, was, you know, when they played the Warriors, was one of their highest-rated first-round games ever. And it was like it was people already embracing it because they've seen them and they've been able to enjoy them you know, in a different way than probably when you and I were younger. And yeah, you just talked about the television contracts that with TNT and ESPN uh, and ABC just been a, been amazing in terms of well, first of all, you have the best pregame and postgame show with Barkley and Shaq. It just and Kenny Smith. I love that. I wish ESPN would after the show after their games do the same thing. Give me an hour of that. I want to have more discussion. But the fact that you started the games a little earlier, the West Coast games came a little early. You can step in late and watch those. And plus the local packages everywhere you go, you can see games. You must, you must be very happy with how the whole myriad of watching it on streaming and everything has been working together for the NBA. Yeah, without a question. And, and you know, the inside the NBA guys are just the standard. I mean, really in any sport, like everybody wants to watch those guys. And, and you're right, we moved up tip times to try to be a little bit more friendly to the to the Eastern time zone. And, and it you know, it's worked out really well as you know, our ratings were up. So, I mean, I, I, I it's just, 
everything is just sort of working in the right direction right now. And, you know, you knock on wood when you say that because you always want to make sure it keeps going there. But I think we feel really good about where we are in the league. Now explain the in-season tournament because I've been listening to Sports Talk Radio shows and like they've added seven games. They're going to play 90 games. It's, it seems like people are a little confused on what this in-season tournament is going to be. Can you just give us some, uh, you know, some understanding about exactly what this is? Yeah, quite simply. I mean, I know you, you pay attention to the Olympics and to the FIBA World Cup. I mean, it's very similar in the sense that, um, you know, we, have, we put the, the teams, the 30 teams, into six groups. Um, they're going to play everybody in their own group one time, so that'll be four games. Those games will be just like they were before, regular season games. And uh, then the, the six pool winners or six group winners will advance. The two uh, next best records in the um, in the group play will advance, and we'll have an 18 tournament starting December 3rd and 4th. And um, it'll be home sites at first uh, for the quarterfinal round, and then we'll move into the semifinals and championship game out in, uh, in in Las Vegas. And then the 22 teams that don't qualify, they'll play two games in some way against each other during that week uh, to make sure that everybody still ends up with 82 games. The, the only additional game is the championship game. Um, the two teams that make the championship game, that'll be a, that'll be one more than the, the 82, but th- those, th- that will not count on the standings or the statistics. So when I get a schedule for the Heat and I look at it, I'm going to see those six games that, those games that are listed, they'll say this is for the, pl- this is for the in-season tournament game, but they're also, re- they count as regular season game, but you would just be next to it say an in-season tournament game also. It's not like an additional game that's going to be part of that. Correct. And those games will all be on seven Tuesdays and Fridays in November. The only Tuesday and Friday we're not using is election day. As I think you know we've taken that day off the last couple of years. And um, But those seven days will be, be tournament nights, and those games will all count towards the in-season tournament. I love that idea because you keep, I hate when the NBA is on football because you know how much I love football. And so I love that you're putting an emphasis on games on Tuesday and Friday. So that's tremendous. And that yeah. now, 100%. Will, 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 but will, why will, like, I'm just from a Heat fan, this is the question that my, my listeners are asking me. Will Golden State, like, will this eliminate, will there be really a chance that maybe Golden State will not come to Miami for a game because of this? Will they lose that game? Or how will that you make sure that all the teams like Miami gets to see every team in the league at least once? No, schedule will be done exactly the same way. The only difference, Ira, is going to be that, that we'll only announce 80 games when we announce the 82-game schedule. And then once we get through the group, uh, the tournament nights in November, everybody will get two more games. And that'll, that'll either be because you're one of the 22 that didn't qualify and you'll play on Wednesday and Friday of that week of the championship. Um, and the other eight teams, if you lose in the quarterfinals, you'll play somebody else that lost in the quarterfinals on Friday. So everybody will get the 82 games. It's just the only when you get your original schedule, you're only going to see the 80 games on it. But you'll see the open dates um, for when the tournament itself will be played. Okay. Okay. Now the the one issue that is my big point, I know you you know what I'm going to ask is is of course load management. I mean that's the one thing I yeah. I drive down to see Miami and Boston uh, in the, I guess February or March February this year, and I'm I think I'm watching two G League teams and and those things. And I love as someone who loves the NBA so much, I just I just hate it. You know, I hate checking to see like you never put a football game like is Patrick Mahomes going to play? You know who's going to play? You know you 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 know that Patrick Mahomes is going to play 16 games out of the year unless he's injured. The point is that's just my biggest pet peeve in terms of the load management. And I guess you guys tried to address it a little with the 65 game to win awards. And what are some other things you're trying to do to uh, to work with the load management issue? You know, I think we're just 
trying to be smarter about it. Like we're trying to learn like what are the advantages to playing a certain number of games. And I, and I, there's really no direct evidence that says if you play 75, you're more likely to get hurt than 68 or 78. You're more likely to get hurt than 74. Like, and, and, but you know, the reality is, 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 is we have to get everybody on the same page on that. And um, the one thing that's unfortunate in this conversation Ira, is that people have almost now sort of ignored that players do get injured. And so, like, you know, we had some games this year where a player was out, you know, and was missing several games, and we were still getting complaints about players not playing. <laughs> and it's like, well, there's nothing we can do about that. If you're hurt, you should not be playing. We don't want to risk more injury. Um, you know, but the, the issue is, is you know, we, we've got to create those proper incentives for not only the players but the teams. And, and you know, the, a lot of times the players take the hits for this, but, uh, you know, Sometimes it's the, the, the teams themselves that are making these decisions. And, and, and listen, they're not doing it to be negative. They're not trying to you know, cause problems for our fans. They're trying to be smart so that they're ready for the playoffs. And, but we've got to find that middle ground. It's, you know, I mean, for, for years we had guys playing you know, upwards of 75 and more games. And, um, you know, and generally speaking, the, the health, you know, it's not like we're seeing a decrease in injuries as we have more guys resting. And so I think we've got to get a better handle of that. And when we get that, I think that'll be more helpful for our teams. That's good. That's good. And then, you know, people are upset. Now, we love this down here in Miami. You know, we love the trade demands. We love the fact that Dave Lillard wants to leave Portland and come to Miami. So there's no complaints from people down in Miami saying people want to come to Miami. We, you know, Messi wanted to come here, Dave Lillard, LeBron. Everybody wants to come to Miami except for Shohei Otani, which we had on last week. Someone talking about the Marlins aren't after him. But, you know, and, and we had Bob Whitsitt on our show, and, and Clyde, you know, was saying, well, this is just a new trend that players are demanding trades. And he told us a story about when Clyde Drexler, you know, met 25 years ago, demanded to trade and he had to handle that trade so that is a concern though of some fans about the players that are just saying oh you just signed a contract and now you want to leave well it's funny you mentioned drexler because i benefited from that because i was at the rockets at the time that's right winning a championship we ended up winning a championship so listen it's not the most ideal thing but it's you know listen there's some there's some circumstances in which and which players are looking for a fresh start that aren't necessarily, you know, in the same vein as some of the stuff we're seeing. But, you know, it's happened for years. It's probably always going to happen in some form or fashion. You know, we try to take some of the incentive out of there by, you know, we say players can't publicly talk about wanting to, you know, to be uh, traded. And so that's, you know, helped a little bit, but then agents do it. And then it becomes another story. So, um, you know, something that we're certainly aware of, um, but I, I think it's one of those problems, and I put that in quotes, that is probably not as prevalent as people think it is because it just becomes such a big deal when it happens. You know, we had when Bob Whitson was on the show, he said that when Drexler came to his office, he had just got the job and that he said, I want to go to a really bad team because I want to score a lot of points. And, get, and he's like, no, you want to go to a winner. And then he had to convince him to trade him <laughs> to Houston. So that's why, you know, with that idea is that maybe everyone thinks Lillard's coming to Miami, but maybe another team wants to trade and they'll say, you know, you want to come here. We're going to be a great team, too. So I want to move the next point is on the rules. Um, you We mm-hmm. talked about the 14 second. You, know, you love that when the reset on the offensive rebound to 14 seconds. And I think that's made a big difference. I mean, how many times you watch a game and the team gets, you know, another possession on the uh, on the defensive side because that's this 14 seconds. You don't have a 24 second reset. I thought I thought it was a great rule change. But what kind of rules? I think there's flopping rules that are coming in this year. Uh, some what are some new rules that we'll see coming up next year? Yeah. So I mean, listen. We, we last year we had the take fouls, right? And that we we dropped uh, um, from 1,700 take fouls 
to 200 in one year, you know, with just the rule change of penalizing those take fouls and stopping fast breaks. We also saw a huge increase in fast break points. So that was great success. Um, the flopping, um, it's going to be hard, and our referees know that, and they're going to spend some time being trained um, and they're um, – uh, and and on, on what we're looking for there, we're looking for the most um, egregious stuff. We're not necessarily looking for the smaller stuff. And then the um, the second rule change we announced last week is, which uh, is going to be very well received, I think, is if you win your first coach's challenge, you get a second one. And um, and so I think that's better because a lot of times guys have not challenged plays in the second quarter or third quarter because they want to keep that thing to the end of the game when they probably should be challenging. Um, so I, I think. You know, similar to the NFL, if you win both, you get a challenge. At ours, if you win your challenge, you get another one. So we'll um, we'll see how that works. But um, all all reviews on that from pretty much all angles have been positive. And we talked, I think, last year about the prevalence of three-point shots. And there's some aspects of the game. But first of all, actually, teams are shooting three much better now. But then you go to the finals and you see, again, Denver, I think they made four, th- three, four threes in the final uh, game. So it just shows that you can win both ways in terms of not just shooting threes constantly. I think that was, again, I would like to see less threes in the league. But I think the way Denver played <laughs> made me feel better about watching it such a pure basketball. I agree. I, you know, I, as you know, I grew up in this league with the Rockets and Akeem, and and I, you know, I sort of miss that style a little bit. And um, you know, and Jokic is, um, you know, he's no, he's not like Akeem, but I mean, he he, you know, he posts up and gets the ball and and creates offense just like Akeem did, and and that's fun. And you know, Joel's a little bit like that. You know, everything moves in in in, in cycles. Uh, the three-point shot is obviously one of those things that, from strict math, it's it's very uh, productive shot, and so people are going to take it. But I'm with you; like I, I like to see, you know, when a guy's going in for a layup and he can make the layup, and then he kicks it out for a three. Not my favorite thing, you know. I, I still want to see, I still want to see basketball played the way it's always been played. And um, but I, you know, listen, there's no question the three-point shot has made the game more exciting. You know, a 12-point lead now is like when you and I were growing up, like a five point lead. Right. And, and so it's just, it's kept the game exciting and it will continue to do so. But I do believe there's still a, still um, a success in there for big men that can create offense. Now, I was at, I've gone to, I think it's been 20 NBA drafts. I can't count in terms of, I went to the, the felt forum when it was at Madison Square Garden and I love going to the draft. I saw you at the draft. But, you know, it would be so cool. I mean, the one thing at the finals, when I was with Denver, it's like great to be at the finals, but they can't, you can't create like a Final Four atmosphere. You do it for, like, for the All-Star mm-hmm. game. But there, is there any talk about maybe moving the draft like the NFL has been doing to Kansas City this past year? Because I think if, boy, if you put the draft here in Miami, it would be tremendous. People would go crazy for the draft being down here. Yeah, you know, we did that for a while when I was first in the at the Rockets in in, in the nineties, um, and, and there has been some conversation about looking at that again. Um, I don't think um, it's anything uh, that we'll necessarily see by next year, but I do think that's something that could come up here very soon. And and um, and listen, if you're looking for a Final Four environment, let's let's hope the in season tournament, um, you know, over time will develop into that kind of. Uh, kind of activity for everybody because I we're going to have all the teams there in one location and and you know hopefully that'll be be something that we can uh, we can create some excitement around. No no you're totally right that's good I forgot about that. And then the G League I mean people used to laugh at the G League but now I think just is every team have their own G League team now? Almost 29 out of 30. Phoenix is I believe the only one at the moment and um 
uh, and they're working on it. I think their owner was quoted this week saying they're working on it. But we have a team in Mexico. Um, we have the G League Ignite team, so we do have um, you know thirty thirty G League teams. But it's um, but yeah, I think we'll have that before too long. But it's been tremendous in terms of letting players, giving a pathway. How many players do we see in the finals that played in the that were G League players? And it gives them away the two way. I mean, I, there's now more talk. You're at Heat game. It's like, well, this someone scored so much in a G League, and that you know, bring them up and play. So I think that aspect of it is pretty cool. And the fact that you know, you do have G League Unite players that are are not going to their first year of college, but going and playing in the G League, like Scoot Henderson. So there's so many positives to the G League. It's been great. And and uh, it's one of those leagues that has far exceeded um, expectations, and 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 I um, and it continues to. I think I think I don't have the number of the, on my fingertips, but I want to say it's close to fifty percent of our players have spent time in the G League. That's amazing. And and it's um you know the coaching is great down there. The the you know the, the competitiveness uh, is great. Like um it's it's been it's been a really wonderful experience and something we just continue to try to capitalize on and um you know it's not necessarily yet has become like a a huge tv sport but it has been such a great developmental league for us um that we'll just continue to work towards making it more popular but it's it's serving its purpose for sure we've been talking to tim frank the senior vice president of league operations communications just a couple more questions tim um gambling used to be a topic nobody wanted to talk about certainly that was but now it seems like you know these sports leagues are embracing it uh, with partnerships and those things so what is what is the nba working with in terms of gambling in terms of i mean i play fantasy football a fantasy basketball i love it i'm we're from our hometown blair county the people who run our league that you know says the oldest <laughs> fantasy league in the country which i don't know if it's true but <laughs> but uh, i love doing it. my first my first player i drafted was patrick ewing when i was going to new york i said i going to go to new york i have to draft patrick ewing as my first but so what is how is the nba handling the 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 gambling and the prevalence in terms of how many states it's becoming legalized in. Yeah, I mean we've leaned into it. You know, as soon as Adam became the commissioner, he wrote an op-ed in the New York Times, kind of just saying like it's it's okay for leagues to to, to get involved in this because it, for one, it helps regulate things a little bit better. And and so uh, I think we've had good success. You know, obviously we're very clear with our players and even employees at the teams in the league office about what they're permitted to do and what they're not permitted to do. Um, but overall, I think it's been great. Like, listen, the only things we get complaints about is, um, you know, sometimes people don't know when guys are going to play until the last minute, and that messes up some of that stuff. Um, and But overall, it's, I think we've had a pretty seamless transition into it, and, you know, hopefully it'll just continue down that path. You're getting ready to go to the World Championships in the Philippines, and it's going to be exciting. All these we had the international game, and now the World Championships is going to be, I think, pretty cool to watch. But is there ever a movement to have like the whole rules? Like, can the world adopt the NBA? Can we just have the world adopt the NBA rules? Because it is a little different when you're watching the world rules as opposed to just the NBA rules. Yeah, you know, college basketball, same thing, right? I mean, they're they're just a little bit different, and I, you know, I think. We just were having that conversation at our competition committee meeting last week, and which, um, and which, you know, how can we try to get everybody on the same page? And, I, and so I think those conversations happen. We have changed rules over time, as has FIBA, to, to try to, to, to get more in line. Um, you know, we've never adopted their goaltending rule. Um, we've, we've never adopted their rule about you can't call timeout live play. Um, you know, and, and I think on, in both cases, um, the, each each sort of league is in their own camp on that, and don't don't see a reason to change it. But but yeah, I mean, overall, I think we have come a little bit closer. 
Uh, we're just we're not totally perfect yet, but I think um, it'll be interesting to see with college basketball what happens there because you know it's the only I think it's the only sport I mean only basketball now that plays halves you know and, instead of playing quarters and so you know we'll see if they have any changes up their sleeve but overall um, you know it's definitely part of the conversation and uh, I don't know if we'll ever get a hundred to a hundred but you know we'll see. And I think last year, I think we didn't, uh, since in the past year, the passing of Bill Russell, uh, the great legend in terms of and how the league has honored the number six on the floors and those things have been tremendous. I think the outpouring of the players, it seems like the league, I don't know any other league where the players know the history of the league, know people that were, were you know, all the great old players and the older players in the league. I think that's pretty neat. And I, I do like how the league has honored. We talked about the new trophies against some of the past players, but certainly how they honored Russell this past year. Yeah, I, I um, I love it. Honestly, I, I, and one of our people came to me on that a couple of years ago and said, "What do you think about this idea?" And I, and I love the concept, and and you know, it gives you, you know, listen for us for where we're from, you know, the the opportunity to have a trophy named after somebody that maybe people have forgotten about, and you know, the the Stokes Twyman Award that we do every year, you know, um, you know, for the best teammate, you know, that re- every time that's given, it retells the Jack Twyman Maurice Stokes story which is, you know, near and dear to my heart and, you know, from growing up in central Pennsylvania. And so, um, so yeah, I, I think anything we can do to keep, you know, our, our memories of our players alive. I mean, I, uh, you know, people always try to get me in on the LeBron MJ conversation. And I'm like, what about Will? What about Kareem? What about Oscar? Like, like sometimes we forget about those guys. And, and I, and I think it's really important for us to make sure we're keeping their memories alive. I think Wilt is extremely underrated. I, I just, yeah. <laughs> you just look at statistics and also when you watch some of his games, he's so dominant at the time and did everything when he wanted to, could lead the league and assist. And he's very much like Jokic in, in a lot of things that he did. Doesn't shoot the three, though, but dominant. Um, one of my last questions would be where I was at the draft. And I was so impressed. And every time I go there, the quality of the people, uh, the players, their families at the draft. And then when you look at the league, and, and I'm not going to ask you, we're not going to talk about John Morant and those, uh, those situations, but because <laughs> I think that's such an anomaly. Like the fact is that there, the players in the NBA are working at their bodies and their minds or their crafts. I mean, that's their companies and they are being in great shape. They're getting plenty of sleep. I know many of these players and the work they put in and you see at the draft, all those players and they're in tip top shape with great support systems and families. It's like if you're in the league and you just don't want to take it seriously, guess what? There's someone coming that's going to take your spot and it's going to happen quick. And I, I think that you have to be impressed with just the quality of people that this league has. And I know you work and talk with these players every day. But it's it's really impressive, especially when you see something at the draft when you're sitting amongst people that are being drafted into it. I think it's the biggest growth in the league in the last 20 years. I mean, it is, um, you know, we just had players that just um, that came in, you know, when I first got in the league that just didn't have the same experiences, right? They weren't used to the media. They weren't used to being on television. All of these kids now are, are they're used to all of that and they're so mature and they've been instructed sort of from a young age on how to behave and in how not behaving can impact their ability to, to do the job right and 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 we're, we're we are we're really blessed by our players like like I you know there's as in anything there's you know there's guys that might be difficult here and there but for the most part you know we have I mean it's just crazy to think of a guy like LeBron who like he built a darn school. Like he's given underprivileged kids the opportunity to go to school, 
Like, like that's crazy when you think about the growth that this has come. I mean, we used to have players that had to work overtime in the off season to make money. And now we have guys that are able to, to you're not only making more money, but being able to put that money back into their communities and doing incredible things. We're, we're really lucky. I mean, I, and again, like you said, sometimes people like to focus on the negative. But I, I think when you look at our players as a whole, um, it's a really good group. And, and, and they, they get it and they understand it and they know what their role is, not only within our league, but within their community. And we talk about social media and how bad it is. I follow so many players in the NBA and I cannot tell you how many players, like a Bobby Portis, who no one knows is running these youth camps constantly. Like you think the social media, like they're always on with the camps they're running and the things of the all, and maybe you know, just things to say, hey, look, I have a camp. It's free. Come show up and do all those things. I, it's just tremendous. They bombarded constantly about that. And certainly it makes them look good. You know, they want, that's why they're publicizing, but also they are doing this. They're taking the time out. They're doing these things. And I think that's, you know, really impressive. And I think that, you know, your best ambassadors of the league are, are your players because they're they're doing those things yeah it's not photo ops right like but like when i first got in the league a lot of this stuff was a little bit of you know um let's let's get a photo let's let everybody see these guys now are so in tune with everything they're doing they're so they're so dedicated to anything that they support it's great and it's um and i think it makes the the kids that they support feel good it makes the families feel good um it gives opportunities for the players families to be involved in their success there's just really no downside, and, it, and it's been uh, – I've really loved watching how our, our young players have, have embraced all of this. And, you know, I mean, again, it, the, the, one, of the, one of the best parts is we, our best players are the best at this. And, and, and that just sets a tone and sets a culture that everybody else feels they got to match. Yeah, I mean, just the one for example is like Victor Wembanyama. He's comes in, flies over seven foot. No one really knows much about him. He lands it, and all he does is interview after interview, impressed with everyone, signs autographs constantly, and everyone's. It's it just that aspect of us here. Now you have your next superstar in the league comes in already with a perfect attitude and an idea. And I just think that's what is people view the NBA as they want to play. They know what they have to do to be in it. And they're going to, I said, they, they, they view it as a privilege. I guess that that's the answer is like they view it as a privilege to play in the league and they want to stay in it. If they want to get in it first and they want to stay in it when they get there. Without question. I mean, it's, it's, hey, listen, I, I, players will tell you it's the best job in the world. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, it it really is, and, and and they understand that, and there's no taking advantage of it. Um, you know, and again, like I said, you have, you have your exceptions from time to time, but for the most part, our guys are really committed to what we're trying to do. Tim, thank you so much. I know this was a good, and have a good, great trip uh, to the Philippines for the World Championships, and enjoy that, and then get ready for a good season, 2023-2024. So thanks a lot for coming on Iron Sports. I appreciate it. Uh, anytime, Ira. You know that, and take care of yourself. 